Last week we finished our I Believe series, and today we start a new series called Prodigal. And it is a chance for us to, to dive in over these next several weeks and, and look at, at different characters from the parable, the prodigal son. And so this morning we're gonna dive in and, and look at the prodigal son. And so let me just let's here's our text for today. Luke 15, 20. It says this. And he arose. He arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. You know, growing up in Delaware, a very small state, and if you ever drive through it, you probably, about 15 minutes you're through it, and so it's very, very short, especially you do I-95, it's about 10 minutes. And so... Growing up in Delaware, I grew up in a very small town, Bear, Delaware, B-E-A-R, Bear. And so I, growing up in Bear, it was, you know, it's not a lot of major cities. I mean, Wilmington, Dover, that's pretty much all the cities. And so that's all of Delaware. And, but in Bear, Delaware, it's kind of a small town. I mean, it's outside Newark, but it's not that far away, but it's, I remember growing up, and if someone had their front porch lights on, that meant they're waiting for someone to come in, or someone was inside their house at that time. Because I remember, my, you know, people were coming over our house, and my, my mom or dad would go turn on the front lights, like, okay, let them know, hey, it's welcoming, come on in. And so they would come in, and then after they left, it was like, wait till they pull out the driveway, okay, great. Turn off the lights. Okay. So, I mean, it was it. Like, that was, everyone had left, and, and it was it. When the lights were on, it's like Motel 6, right? The lights were on. Come on in, right? And so, that's kind of how it is. And so, I thought about that this past week, because when I thought about the prodigal son, I thought, hey, this whole series is centered around the lights on, right? The, the the lights on matter. And so, today, we're going to look at that. We're going to talk about that. But you know, I think about those memories of, of just when there's light on, it's a reminder of, hey, I'm waiting. There's someone inside waiting for someone to come home to embrace or they're waiting for someone to walk in to welcome. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about over these next several weeks. Here's our main idea. We can never, our main idea today is we can never, we can never out God's forgiveness. We can never out sin God's forgiveness. Our, our key question is this, how does someone, how does someone start to drift away from God? How does someone start to drift away from God? We're gonna look at, at these two, the main idea and our question today, but James Merritt, a former SBC president, said this, if, prayer, if parables were songs, this probably would be voted Jesus' all-time number one hit. The prodigal son is a classic biblical story of a second chance. And church, that is what we are going to be looking at. There's two resources that I'll bring up here with me next week, but and I'll share in an email this week with you, but there's two resources that, that I have found to be very fruitful in my research and my study of this, 
of this parable. One is this, it's by Phil Waldrop. It's reaching your prodigal, reaching your prodigal, and it is a great, great, great book. And another one is by John MacArthur, talking about the tale of two sons. And so both of these are, I've just only mentioned them throughout my message today and over the next several weeks, but wanted just to, to mention those to you now. Here are, we're going to look at four stages, four stages of a prodigal. And here's the first one. The first one is this. The first stage that a prodigal goes through is they flee moral authority. They flee moral authority. All prodigals have this mindset that, that they have to, that they have to get away. They have to flee from any kind of authority over them. They don't like authority at all. And so when there is authority that comes over them, when there is a moral authority in which they have to surrender or submit to, they don't like it. And in turn, they run from it. And for the prodigal, for the prodigal son, when moral authority was in front of him, he ran to a literal country to get away. He got out of it. He got away. He physically separated himself from the father. The prodigal, no matter location, physically or emotionally and spiritually, separates and gives them, they separate themselves and they give themselves a false feeling of happiness. The prodigal son in this text is wanting freedom and rejecting everything of his family. When a prodigal flees moral authority, it creates false emotions for them. And they give, they get a false sense of identity and happiness. Right? So let me just, let me just dive into this. Let's just, let's dive in this text. Let me just kind of give a, a little bit of an introduction to this. You see, the, the parable of the prodigal son is, is about a father and his two sons. The father, by, by all study of this, we, we believe he, him to be a, a wealthy man. We know that enough from this text and from commentaries of studying this. We know that enough because of, I mean, his son is wanting money and he's wanting it now. He knows his dad has that money now available to him. And so for him to ask that, we know that he has somewhat of some kind of wealth. And the other part of the story that, that we kind of maybe don't always look at or maybe not always see. We look at the older brother and we'll be talking about him in several weeks. But one of the things about the older brother in the scene is this. When a father or, or when the inheritance is passed down, it goes to the first, the first child, the first son. And what is given to them is two-thirds of the estate or two-thirds of the inheritance. And then the one-third goes to whatever children are left. And so in this moment, the, the older son has his two-thirds coming. But the, the younger son, the one, the prodigal son, the one who is fleeing more authority, his one-third is what he's asking for. Hey, give me my one-third. Give to me what is due. Basically, what he is saying to his father is this, is that you are better off dead to me. That you are worth more to me, dad, dead, than you are to me alive. Now, I don't know how anyone could ever be in that situation, but, and, 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 and 
with a father, but, but, and I know that, that life happens and all that, but to say that to a father's face, I can't even imagine. But the prodigal says that. He says that to his dad. His dad's not sick. His dad's not dying. He just wants to be separated from his dad's authority. He doesn't want to be around it, centered around it. We'll talk about the father next week, but I think it's key for us to to realize this or to acknowledge this. The father did not agree or approve of his son's actions but he did grant his son's request. And we'll talk more about that next week, and that's a little bit of a tease, but, but he, did, he, did not igno- he did not approve, he did not agree, but he did grant the request of his son and gave the money to him. Let's look at verse 11 and 13. Verses 11 and 13 says this, and he said, there was a man, this is Jesus sharing the parable, He said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered all his property in reckless living. Now, we don't know what all that means. We just know that he went there and he spent a lot of money. He went there and had a good time. Reckless living. I, you can take that as you will, but, but we do know that he went there and he fled the moral authority that was over him. And we know that, that, when he, that, that whole scene, a prodigal, when they flee from authority and they go into this false sense of emotion, this false sense of living, it gives them this happiness that they think that, that they're happy now, that they, they get everything figured out, that, that I got away from that over there and I've separated myself. And so now that I've separated myself from that moment or from that scene or from that family, that everything's gonna be okay. I mean, running away from things, when has that ever been a good thing? But for the prodigal, that's what he does. And he receives this false sense of identity, this false sense of happiness. You know, I was thinking over this this prodigal son, and I was thinking over just ministry over the last 19 years. And I remember I, I was sitting in North Carolina, and I've sat in Virginia, and I've sat in Tennessee, and I've sat in Delaware, and I've sat in all these different offices as a student pastor, associate pastor, all this. And I thought over those moments, over those memories. And I always have every ministry that I served and always said, hey, hey, I am all in, that, that I love you, I care for you. I, whatever you need, I'm all in. And I, and I said to you as a church, I mean that. But I thought about that this past week. Because I remember it was a Wednesday morning. I was ready to go preach to our students to have our, our midweek service. I was preparing, I was ready to go, and I get a phone call from a parent that says, hey, my child has ran away. And I said, oh no, like, <laughs> what happened? They said, I mean, and they said that he's been gone for several days. And we are just in this moment, we're just, we're asking if you could help us. Long story short, it, <laughs> 
this, this student had taken his parents' car and had fled and was found himself uh, slipping outside of a church, which is a safe place to stay. That was good, smart thinking. Uh, but he had found himself in a position or a place where, you know, the police said, hey, what are you doing sleeping outside of here? And he gave his information to them. And so they realized there's a, there's, this is a missing person. And so they called the parents up. And, and so the parents said, hey, Scott, can you, can you go and can you go down there and, and help us get him and bring him home? And so I remember that because I remember going into our, our senior pastor's office and I said, hey, I'm going after the one. I'm leaving the 99. I need, I need you. I need you or someone to preach our students tonight. I have to go. And I got in the car and me and his father, we, we stopped at Chick-fil-A, which, okay. <laughs> we all know that's going to happen. And so that's our fellowship. That was preparing. I was preparing for battle, okay? And so I'm going. We go and, and we... You know, we get down to uh, his location, and, and so it was a three-hour drive, and we got there, and I looked from a distance. I saw that he had found himself a job, and so I said, okay. So I said, tell dad, hey, stay here. I'm going to go talk to him, and so I went over. I act like, a, like I was going there to eat. <laughs> he saw me, and his face went as white as can be, and he goes, what are you doing here? So I'm here to bring you home. He said, no, I'm not going home. I said, okay, that's fine. I'm just, man, let me just kind of spend some time with you. He goes, I'm working. I get off at 10 o'clock tonight. Sounds great. I'll be back at 10 o'clock. So I remember at 10 o'clock, me and his dad are back and we're ready. It's, it's game time. We know that it's, it, we're gonna have, like he's running. And so I sat down, we talked to him and I said, man, dude, you have some responsibilities. You are days away. You're two days away from graduating high school. You have responsibility to finish it. Let's, let's go back home. Your mom, you need to, if you're gonna, if you wanna go down here and work, great. Go down here and live this life and work. But you need to go back and say bye to your mom first and not leave her a note. If you say you're a man, let's go back and let's show that you're a man. Let's go say bye to your mom. And so he agreed to, to get in the car and he goes, you, can you drive me home? I said, I'm, I'm driving you, yeah, I'm driving you home. I told the dad to follow us. I said, we're taking him home. So we drove him home and all the way home, I'm not staying. I'm coming back down here. I said, that's fine, man. You do whatever you want to do. That's great. And I'm just, I'm just telling you what was happening. And we just talked and talked and talked and talked. And I thought about the prodigal because he's fleeing authority. He doesn't like someone telling him what to do. He's 18 years old. He's got everything figured out in his life. I got a job. Good for you. How's it going? <laughs> And so we just, I talked to him and we, we, man, I just prayed over him as I was driving. We just, I let him just vent and share every anger and frustration. By the end of it, he goes, I'm gonna stay at my parents tonight. I said, hey, that's a good idea. He goes, I'm gonna graduate high school. Brilliant, that's a good idea, two days away. And he ended up, he stayed, he never went back. He never went back down there. He ended up joining the, the U.S. Army just like his dad did and he serves our country now. And I think about him, and every time I think about the prodigal, I think about this, this young man who fleed from authority. He did not just flee his dad's authority. He fled the authority of God. He thought that what he had was better than anything God could ever provide for him. He fled his mom and dad because he thought he had it all figured out. He realized that he needs Jesus, and he needs him now. 
Here's the second stage of a prodigal. They realize all their decisions have consequences. All decisions have consequences. They realize that. Verse 14. And when he had spent everything, all his money, he he's threw it all away, he squandered it all, a severe famine arose in that country, and he, be, and he began to be in need. <laughs> the prodigal realized very quickly that all decisions, good or bad, have consequences. And we need to realize that every prodigal reaches a point when his or her fun turns to famine. Wrong decisions lead to emotional bankruptcy. And consequences from sin make us desperate. They make us desperate. Prodigals eventually get to a moment where they start living in a pig pen alone. No one around them cares if they live or die. John MacArthur says this, for a moment, he must have thought he had exactly what he wanted. But whatever friends the prodigal made in the pursuit of such a lifestyle were no true friends at all. When he ran out of money, he also ran out of friends. And then a famine <laughs> came across the land. Very, very common at this time, this biblical time, that's very common to happen. And that's not the fault of the prodigal. I mean, he did not know or predict that, hey, a famine is about to come over the land, but, but he had, he's out of money. He's, he's thrown it all away, and now a, a national disaster has happened. And now he is stuck in this position. MacArthur goes on and says this, some disasters we bring on ourselves, and sometimes calamity strikes through no particular fault of our own. Sometimes when we are running from God, family, a world or country issues like famine, recession, COVID, etc., start to think that God is punishing us. Sometimes when we're running from God, we experience an issue. Uh, maybe it's within our state or maybe it's within our family or maybe it's within our land like COVID we had over the last several years. And we start thinking, well, God's punishing me. God's hurting me. God's doing this to bring this upon us, me. But that could not be further from the truth. That is not who our God is. I thought about that this past week. I thought about famine. I thought about famine. I thought about everything that we've gone through. And I just, let me just, just, let me just talk about famine for just a moment. I think about that. You know, famine at this time, at, at, in our day, is not something we're really used to. It's something more uh, in, the, in this time period it happened, but, but it is something that we kind of, as, as, a, as a world, have gone through over the last several years. You know, when, when the whole COVID pandemic, we've gone through a little bit of famine. Now, let me explain to you why, why I say that. Because we have seen, talking about Christianity in America for just a moment, we have seen two things happen to American Christianity and American churches. Two things have happened. The first is, is we've seen people either start to flood into the church again because they're, they're, they're coming back to God again. You know, everything's going wrong and they're trying to find, hey, let me try to find that peace. And so they're running, they're flooding into churches. We're seeing that. That's happening. But on the other side, 
what COVID did was it also opened the floodgates or the flood doors for people to leave the church. It gave an excuse to leave. <laughs> it gave an excuse to, to leave the church. Now, <laughs> I know this is somewhat of a, of a touchy subject, but so I, I'm, I, I feel like the Lord has laid this on my heart this week, so I'm just gonna share this. But I believe that what has happened in American Christianity and in our own belief is I believe that, that what has happened is that some of us or some people we know were on the brink of, they were lukewarm in their Christianity. And, and then we had this pandemic, this world pandemic happened. And it opened the door for us to say, mm, I don't have to go to church anymore. I, I'm gonna go online. And what ends up happening is that sometimes what ends up begins to happen is that we're seeing in America, I'm not saying here at our church, okay, so please, I'll talk about that in a second. I'm not talking about here, that here. But what ends up happening is that we start replacing other things for church and God. And I'm thankful that we have people who watch online here. I'm thankful we have people who, are, who have health reasons. We have people who are traveling. We have people who, this is, the, this is because of transportation and everything else. This is the way of worshiping. I know that and I'm thankful for you who are watching online right now. So please, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am talking about is that we have seen, I, I, was, I saw this in Orlando. The doors open and it's time to leave. And we go into a famine spiritually. We go into a famine spiritually because we were lukewarm and now we're, now we're chasing after all these different things and we're hungry and we're filling it with everything else because we're missing out on Jesus. We're missing out on God. And I'm telling you, I don't want us to ever, I want no one in this room and no one watching online to ever go into a famine spiritually. I want us to be craving and diving deeper and to be growing in Christ. Jesus is the only answer for our life. Nothing else will ever fill that void in our life. So we cannot flee the moral authority. We cannot flee God. But praise the Lord that we are seeing people, visitors, pour into churches across America. We're seeing people give their lives to Christ. Praise the Lord for this. They're wanting to come out of the famine. They're wanting to come out. Here's how we know that possibly we're in a famine. Is spiritually, we're dry. We're not craving. We're not, we're just, we're just, we're dry spiritually. We're not growing. We're not going deeper. We're just, we're not even quenching our thirst. We're just sometimes doing the bare minimum. Emotionally, we're, some of us emotionally are in a famine. We're drained. We're worn out. We're tired. We have nothing else left to give. And mentally, we're worn out. We're in a famine. And I want to say that Jesus is the answer. He wants to draw us closer. We need to run back to him. We need to seek him. 
So how, how are we in a famine spiritually is we're dry. It's, we're, not, we're not growing. We're not going deeper. Emotionally is we're just, we're going through the emotions. We're not really just showing. We're not really growing. We're not really happy. We're not really, we're just kind of putting a, a false facade on, a false attitude of just going through because we're just, we don't have energy. <laughs> Mentally, we're just, we're overwhelmed. And a lot of this came, I know, from the pandemic and all that, but I'm just saying we need to run back to Jesus and let him be the one who draws us close. We need to, to work through all of this, which leads me to our third stage of a prodigal. They think they can fix themselves. First, they flee moral authority, right? That, that's what happens first. And, and then they realize that all decisions have consequences. And now third is they think they can fix themselves. They think they can fix themselves. Let's look at verse 15 and 17. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. Prodigal son is there and he realizes that, hey, hey, I need to get a job. I gotta fix this. I gotta fix the situation. There's a family in the land. I gotta get, I gotta eat. And he's hungry. Everything else is going, is falling apart and he's hungry. And so his way of solving this is that, hey, I can fix the situation. I'll get myself a job. I'll go work for the pigs. I will go and I'll work for this and I'll take care of the pigs. And then, then he gets to a point of saying, man, the pigs, I'm craving what the pigs are eating. <laughs> mm. We don't know how long the son was gone. We don't know how many years had passed that the prodigal son was running away. But the prodigal in this parable, like many prodigals today, reassured himself that he had the means and the ability to work himself out of the season and mess he got himself into. Verse 15, it says this. In my translation, it says this. He went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country. And maybe your translation uses a different word there. But, but the, no matter what translation uses, I've, I've looked at all of them, okay? The Greek word in the original is the same. <laughs> and let me just tell you what that, what that word is. It's kaleo, kaleo. I looked up kaleo because I wouldn't know what that meant. Kaleo means that you would glue yourself to someone. Basically, he's begging He's begging. He's on his knees. He's not leaving that person's side. Give me a job. Give me a job. Give me a job. I need a job. I need a job. I need a job. Help me. He's not leaving this person's side. John MacArthur and Phil Waldrop said, most likely he knew this person, this citizen, because this is someone he used to party with and know this person has a lot of money. And this person <laughs> wants to get rid of him. And so what's he, what's that, what does the citizen do? Gives him a job working with pigs. Now that just sounds like, first off, not fun job. 
We understand that. But this is actually a slap in the face. And here's why. Because of Jewish law and all that is in the, the, the whole, what the Israelites and the Jews are called to do, they're not to, to, to be with unclean animals. They're not to eat unclean animals. And to, to say, hey, I want you to take care of the pigs, which are going to be used to be eaten. Sorry to break the news there, but that's what he was doing. They're being raised for here in the scene is to basically say, hey, I want you to take care of this unclean animal, which is going to be then eaten as an unclean animal. It goes against everything of his father. It goes against everything of his belief. It goes against all of that. But the other thing that happens here is that this citizen, who this prodigal has attached himself to, nonstop glued himself to, wants to be done with him. And it is a wealthy person. And so that person is not near the pigs and is not going to be smelling the pigs. So he sets the prodigal up away, far away from him. So he doesn't deal with him anymore. But here's the other thing I thought about. He begins in this moment. He lives with the pigs the prodigal, the one who had all this money that thought he had all figured out, that fled all authority, is sleeping with the pigs. That was his job. The prodigal who's with the pigs 24-7, 365, then becomes jealous <laughs> Of pigs. He wishes he could eat what they're eating. <laughs> He's starving to death. One commentator said he would even the pods that the pigs were eating if they were edible. Church, I think about the prodigal, and in the next few moments, as I wrap this thing up, I just I think about the prodigal, and and church, the prodigal is you and I. The prodigal was you and I. The prodigal son is not a picture or an image of the worst of sinners. The prodigal is a picture of every person who has not given their life to Jesus. And as, in, as one commentator even stated, they have not been redeemed of their sins yet. The prodigal son is the entire human race who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The tendencies of the prodigal are the very characteristics of our own nature when we are born into this world. We're, we're called into sin. We're born into sin. We're called to flee. We're called to run away. We're called to get away from all this. We run away. We run away from authority. We run away from God. We think we can figure it all out. I, have, I know what's going on. I can take care of it myself. Look at Adam and Eve. We all have been or are prodigal sons and daughters. <laughs> Amen. He was a rebel. He was a college dropout. He was a party boy. 
and he got himself into a lot of trouble. He smoked, he drank, he did a lot of hard liquor. He even got in a lot of fights. He was well known by all the local police authorities. And he had more than one visit or stay in jail. By his own admission, he was a classic example of the prodigal son. And today, he now leads one of the leading evangelistic ministries in America. He succeeded his father, Billy Graham, and I'm talking about Franklin Graham. Today, Franklin Graham not only has tremendous, a huge ministry called Samaritan Purse, but is now preaching the gospel just like his father did to thousands and thousands of people. He'll tell you he is where he is today because of his father who left the light on at the house and said, you're always welcome to come back home, son, when you're done. Our fourth and final stage of a prodigal. Their desperation turns into brokenness. Their desperation breaks into bro- goes into brokenness. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he arose, he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For my son who was dead is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. Desperation goes into brokenness. Here's my conclusion. The prodigal reached desperation so much that he was broken. He wanted, he had to go back home. I had to go back to my father. It's going to, even though it was one of his servants, to be far greater and far better than what I'm in right now. Brokenness, and only brokenness would make the son think of going home. Brokenness brings prodigals to the end of the rope. Prodigals tend to stay in a far country as long as they have some rope left. But brokenness prompts our hearts to be restored. And for restoration to happen, the son had to go back home. The hardest moment of a prodigal is when they admit their error. If excitement of leaving is the emotional high for a prodigal, the embarrassment of returning to the mo- of returning is the emotional low. I read this this past week in a commentary. The prodigal son trusted his father enough to come home. The prodigal trusted his father enough that he went back home. He knew that his father would welcome him and love him. But he thought he would just be a hired servant. He knew his dad would not turn his back on him. The prodigal trusted his father enough to come back home. So as the band comes out, let me just share these final 
notes with you, these final moments. We must remember that God is stronger than any sin. We need to remember, we need to remember that God is stronger than the sin and evil that our prodigal or we could be in. God can win the battle. God can win the battle. A prodigal who repents often opens old wounds buried by family members. Wisdom must guide us through the prodigal when the prodigal returns home. Let me just say this. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to share something with you today. When the prodigal son came back to the father, when the prodigal son came back to the father, he acknowledged without condition and reservations that he had wronged his father. And church, when for us, if, if we don't know Jesus, then, then we got to acknowledge and recognize our condition and realize that we've wronged, we've gone against God, that we need a loving God, a loving Savior. We need to realize that in the Father, in the Father alone, we find the mercy and grace and love. The prodigal went back to the Father for and brokenness, but for forgiveness. And he sought his Father's forgiveness. My prayer is that in this room today, that if you're running from God, if you're running from the Father, you've been in the famine spiritually, my prayer is that today you will run back to the Father. You'll run back to him. You'll find forgiveness in him. My prayer today, if you've been in a relationship with Jesus, but you find yourself running away from God, you find yourself testing out different waters, you find yourself getting lukewarm or going to a famine spiritually, my, my, I want to pray right now that, that you will realize the lights are on. The Father is saying, come home. Come back. Stop running away. Come back home. I was, laying in, I was laying in bed last night. I was praying over this morning's service and God laid this, this phrase on my heart I want to share with you right now. My prayer is that we will be a church that reaches out and welcomes back prodigals. I pray that. So let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for this moment. Lord, I thank you now, Lord, for this moment. Lord, I thank you now, Lord, we come into this place and we come into this, this moment of worship. But Lord, Lord, we're talking about this prodigal. And Lord, I, I, this is a lot of information. I'm aware of that. But Lord, I believe, Lord, that we are in this moment right now. And Lord, I believe right now, Lord, there is a, a person in here, Lord, who, Lord, who is in a famine spiritually, Lord. And Lord, I pray now, Lord, maybe they are a child of yours. Lord, they're a believer. Lord, I pray now, Lord, you'll bring them back. Lord, take them out of this dry season and bring them into a fruitful, growing season again, spiritually. Lord, I pray now, Lord, if there's a person in here right now, Lord, who does not have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray now, Lord, may you bring them 
home today. Bring them, bring them to the altar, Lord. Bring them, Lord, and, and have them say, hey, I need to give my life over to Jesus. The one who died on the cross, the one who took my place, took on the wrath of God so that I could have restoration and be redeemed. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for the prodigals, for them to be welcome in this church. Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, may we, may we just in this moment worship you, Lord. I, I pray right now, Lord, that if someone, you're calling someone into salvation, Lord, someone who needs to surrender their life, Lord, that they'll come talk to me as I stand down front, Lord. Have them not leave here until they talk to me. Lord, if someone is in a, in a famine, or Lord, someone is, is needing prayer, Lord, or, or is needing to encouragement, or needing to say, hey, I need to, I need to grow spiritually, I need help. Lord, I pray, Lord, have them come down and talk to me down here at the altar. Lord, I pray, may in this moment, may we be people of pray, prayer, praying for each other. I pray, may we be people who respond. Lord, I pray in this moment, may we respond faithfully.